Wow, well, wee, woo, wee, woo. It's a brand new bonus episode of Jeremiah Wonders. Never done two in a week. Well, there you go. I hope you are liking the podcast. Give a like, leave a comment below. All that's appreciated. If you're listening on Apple Music or something, why don't you go on over and leave a review? I've got a very good friend on the show today, Stuart Thompson. He's got a debut stand up album that he just released called Dandy Man. That info is in the link below. We'll get to Stuart here in a second. If you haven't listened to the show in a while, maybe you've missed out on some episodes. Maybe you missed the Pete Holmes episode or the Bobby Lee or Eric Griffin or maybe Steve-O back in the day or Kevin Nealon. There's so many. Check it out on the Jeremiah Wonders YouTube channel. I love making the show for you guys. I'm going to try to be doing more bonus episodes soon. If you guys are into that, comment below if you are digging it. And thank you so much for the support. Without further ado, I want to get into this episode with my pal, Stuart Thompson. Yay! 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 <laughs> I'm here with Stuart Thompson in a virtual chat room right now, 90s sure style, are. late early 2000s, uh, AIM, uh, instant <laughs> messenger. We're on the interwebs right now. Uh, this is my pal, Stuart Thompson. I'd like to welcome him to the show. He's got a brand new album out on all platforms called Dandy Man. It is his debut stand-up comedy album. We have been friends for years through the comedy store, through the improv, through the open mic scene. Uh, he's from the Bay Area. Without further ado, my pal, Stuart Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Consummate host. I love it. Yeah, uh, It's dude. so nice to see you, Jeremiah. And uh, thank you for having me. Of course, dude. Um, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, how? Uh, where are you at right now, first of all? Where are you at? Well, by the looks of my screen, I look like I'm like a field reporter about to interview someone in a nursing home who's actively <laughs> dying of COVID. Yeah, uh, that looks good. Uh, it also looks like uh, you took some people's uh, high school photos and you're like, let me get one in on myself real quick. <laughs> you know what? I'm always the giver. You know what? Maybe I need to be the taker once in a while. Every once in a while, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be like, I'm hey. Gonna Curtis, I, I the... need you to step to the left. <laughs> it's my time to shine right now. <laughs> yeah, I got like the the pillars that I lean on. I put on the cap and gown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, how? Uh, when did this guy? Is does he go here? <laughs> He's like a ninth year senior. It is. Yeah. His mustache full is beard. thick. It's thick. <laughs> it's coming in very thick right now. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I am currently in, uh, in Burbank. I, I moved here right as shelter-in-place was going into effect. Uh, and my, my building is one of those buildings that's very impersonal. It's like over 100 units. And I feel like my roommate and I are the only non-immigrant family in the building. Yeah. It's very much like a Soviet vibe that I'm feeling here. <laughs> Nice. I live next to Russians uh, on the complex next to me and nicest people, but I've seen my neighbor Alan flare up a couple times and it is a sight to behold. Like he is like just cussed out somebody who like was actually giving me crap. He like stood up for me and just started swearing oh, okay. out. And I was like, Alan, there's a, there's a darkness inside you. And I like it. <laughs> now, was he cursing people out in English or did he revert to a different language? Uh, he didn't get mad to the point where he reverted to 
his mother <laughs> native language because <laughs> that's that's a different that's a different level of anger whenever you just start like go, yeah. talking so fast where you revert to your original language yeah i had a i had a spanish teacher in middle school from chile who we got along pretty well her and i she and i but for the mo as a class she did not care for us and so she would be like, you must do your homework. Put the mother, I can't, I can't, I can't right now. No puedo. <laughs> just like, it was, she was, she was just like this tiny Chilean ball of hatred. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, in my Spanish class in high school, uh, my, uh, my teacher was named, uh, Senora, Senora Lemons. Uh, her actual last name was Lemons, like not like Lemons. It was like L-E-M-O-N-S. Yeah. And uh, I would always goof off in there. But like as long as I got laughs, I didn't get mm. in trouble in that class. But like if I bombed, then she would reprimand me. So it was a very good training program, you know? It's crazy you say that because Spanish was where I learned how to be funny in front of an audience early on. My Because sure. did you have to write dialogues in your Spanish class? Yeah, like, occasionally. Yeah, I, even, I even had to do uh, some short films that I ended up doing in Spanish, oh, okay. which were fun. Which I, I wish I yeah. thought, I don't even know where those are. On some hard drive somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, some VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a There's an old man underneath a blanket for some reason. Just like, no, it looks really nice. <laughs> I've got all your films. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> You and your friends look supple, and it's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta haul you away, bud. Uh, <laughs> Mucho bonito. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, we had to do dialogues in front of our class, and you know, we would figure out how to say like the basic stuff that we had to say, and then we would ask my teacher like dozens of questions how to say other stuff that we wanted to say, and we created like recurring characters, and uh, we had, um, what did we do? We we had people like play like elderly. We we really like tested my 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 friends in my range uh, as far as like acting was concerned. And we would always if we knew we knew if we were making our teacher laugh laugh if she was laughing we were doing well like we would get a good grade. But our friends in our class were just like whoosh over their heads. Yeah, <laughs> you're like you're not you're not gonna pass this class as <laughs> as well yeah. as me. <laughs> Mi hermanos, mis hermanos. <laughs> now, how, uh, how long, like, how are you almost fluent in Spanish? Or, like, what's your level of learning? Like, how far did you get with it? I, I went all the way through AP Spanish. So it was five and a half years between middle school and high school. And I tutor students in Spanish currently. And I have been for years. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can't say I'm going to teach you how to survive in, like, Bolivia uh, on your own, but I will help you. Like if you're visiting a city, I can help you get around. I'll definitely help you pass your classes. Uh, I'm, I'm, when people hear my Spanish, they're like, Oh, that's very grammatically correct. It's not like slang Spanish or right. It's, as it's not like if you necessarily like, you know, if you live somewhere after a while, you kind of pick up certain things where you're like, oh, okay, they don't quite say it. Like, the they're not using the usted <laughs> form or yeah. whatever you know what i mean <laughs> yeah I, I i do i do try not to get hung up on uh the grammar but that's just kind of how i'm wired i'm i'm wired to like see uh languages as like a, a math problem you know it's like this plus this plus this gets you a sentence and so i just i kind of see it that way but i uh 
my, I did have help with some of the slang. My buddy, uh, I will say his name because it's my favorite name. He, like, he's one of those people who I think should have been a comedian but never did. Uh, his name is Carlos Yang. <laughs> he's, I mean, I love that combo of a name already. Continue. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he, he grew up speaking Spanish at home because his, his father was from Peru and his mom was from Argentina. So he spoke it at home and he would teach me uh, a lot of slang that was um, wildly inappropriate to say in class, but uh, great for when I played soccer and wanted to know what my opponents were saying about my <laughs> teammates and me. <laughs> Oh, that's right. You played soccer for quite a while, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, before COVID, I would still play like recreationally out here in LA. It's, um, I, I, I kind of want to be like my dad and all his friends, like they still play, but it's like much slower and they just like, they play until their, their legs don't work anymore. Sure. And so I kind of want to get about to that point. You know, I, I am, I still play. I'm just, I'm not as good as I used to be. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, if you were as good as you used to be, then you wouldn't be doing stand up. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I would. I would have like, the self assurance of an accomplished uh, <laughs> human being in like yeah. a pro sport. Um, but I, but I remember going to tryouts one time after learning a little bit of Spanish, and uh, this Latino kid who I knew from you know games in the league uh was talking to my white friend he's like you know trevor was like hey what's up hector and he was like hey what's up maricon and i was like oh hector hates you trevor yeah hector just, just straight straight to uh, straight to your cara <laughs> yeah <laughs> a la cara way a la cara <laughs> Yeah, but it's welcome um, to two white guys talking a little <laughs> bit of Spanish on Jeremiah Wonders. Welcome to Un Poquito. Un Poquito. Uh, <laughs> to, on today's lesson, we'll teach you how to get beat up in English and Spanish. Yeah, uh, this is uh, Poquito Menos, where we actually uh, take a burrito from someone as opposed to make one for them. <laughs> I'm into it. Yes. <laughs> so what position did you play uh, when, uh, uh, I mean, you still play, but so what do you currently play and did you have a different position before that? Because I played keeper for years and then uh, later on oh, did I you? played forward. What's that? You, I was saying, oh, did you? You have the framing oh, for being a keeper. Dude. You've got that. My, my freaking got the... wingspan, dude, is so <laughs> wide. Like I can't even, like because of the framing right now, I can't even show you how wide my my wingspan is but uh yeah I, I it was one of those things where i uh i was notorious uh for blocking pks as you know which mm -hmm. is is very difficult to do as a goalie um and you almost have honestly to i think your improv training and your just propensity for like going with the flow had to be might have been a real uh, advantage to you when blocking penalty kicks because penalty kicks as a, from a goalkeeper's perspective is just about making a choice because, you know, for, for those listening and watching, uh, you know, you're just taking a spot kick from 12 yards away from the goal mm -hmm. and there's no one in front of you except the keeper. And it's definitely to the advantage of the shooter. You know, the keeper, there's no real, I mean, there's pressure, sure, but like if you make the wrong choice, it's not really your fault. You made it, you had to make a choice. Yeah. But I, because you, you, I've seen you vibe with people so effortlessly 
in stand-up and on stage and hosting and everything else you do, I think you might have been able to vibe with the shooter in a way that you would go where the ball was supposed to go. Yeah, I um, because most of the time, like when I would watch uh, soccer on TV with friends growing up, I would see like in the pros, they always, you know, they just make their decision on which side they're going to go to. You know what I mean? They like a lot of times they either they they jump left or they jump right. Sometimes yep. it's in the completely wrong direction. That happens a lot of times. Yep. But when at the at the skill level where I was at, I would wait like I would literally wait down to the wire like until sure. the the ball like literally started like poking off off of their toe and that's when I'd make the decision. I wouldn't like just choose. I would I'd really like zone in and uh wow. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> those were my premiere days of soccer, Stuart, my glory <laughs> days. <laughs> That's when he peaked. Uh, yep, pretty much, pretty much for soccer. Um, I played a lot of indoor soccer later on, though, which I've always, I, I really like indoor soccer. Indoor is great. It's, uh, if you're not ready for it, it will destroy you. Dude, eat you alive. If you don't have the wind for it, it is crazy. Like, you're ready to throw up, you're spinning, like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's easily like two thirds the length of a regular game, but because uh, it's usually off the wall, you can, you know, it, it, you never stop. Like even mm-hmm. though soccer is considered a sport where you never really stop, in indoor you truly cannot and will not stop. Uh, I played I played defense mostly uh, growing up. I was uh, I was left footed, and I was not the kid who could run the fastest, but I was the kid who learned how to run the longest. So I would just like I just kind of wait people out and i love being the guy because like the forward was usually the guy who was more flashy he had like bleached hair and a headband even though his hair was short and it's like what sweat are you blocking bro and then he had like <laughs> gold shoes yep. and his socks were were taped up weird and i loved crushing that guy's spirit i <laughs> loved it uh because i was just kind of like this burly kid with like man legs and like a weeping willow of a torso and <laughs> what a great description <laughs> I, I my hips end like right where my nipples begin it's like it's there's no there's no body my collarbone is my hip bone it's a weird yeah. thing yeah I, I gotta get a hip replaced <laughs> i tell you, I tell you. <laughs> so um hey i got a new hip <laughs> um so yeah, I, I was I would play defense a lot, but now because I have um, you know typically in the rec uh, games that I play with, it's like a bunch of like teachers and lawyers and a couple comics and me, and I will I'll kind of play wherever I'm needed, uh, and oftentimes sure. they'll put me at like center midfield, which uh, ruins me for the rest of the week. Oh well, yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of Too work being a mid, having to go downfield, upfield, the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. But we take care of ourselves. We 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 don't. You know, we do the thing where we don't we don't let people slide. <laughs> That's like we good. all got to work Monday. Yeah, we like we've got other things in our life now. We can't be slide tackling yeah. and yeah. I uh, my my mom was one of those uh, moms that was so concerned about if I did headers with the ball that I would get brain damage. Oh yeah. 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 They- like she hated any time I tried to do a header. Not and I really didn't have to do it too much until I started playing forward later. But like uh-huh. even in practice and stuff like that, my mom would freak out, being like, "No, I." <laughs> there, no, there's totally, there's totally technique. But like, um, I don't know if you were playing soccer during this time, but they came out with a line of headgear for a while 
that was designed for people to like to like cushion the blow a little bit but Mm -hmm. you know what what i learned uh just from anatomy standpoint like the part that you're supposed to hit it with the you know the front of your head Mm -hmm. that's the part that is the thickest part of your skull right so like that's why people headbutt and stuff like that yeah i mean man i don't know why people headbutt that's that shit's crazy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> man i think it was uh yeah 2006 world cup when zidane just headbutted you know the uh, you know the italian guy Materazzi just in the chest i'm like this is some like steven seagal yeah. level craziness <laughs> yeah my brother once headbutted somebody uh who was kind of um he was catcalling his his wife at a club and my brother <laughs> and my wife don't even go to clubs. They and maybe this is a reason why they don't go to clubs. Uh, but he, this guy like started kind of cack on him, uh, uh, his wife, and then he was kind of like whatever about it. And he's kind of like, "Hey, this is my wife, like easy." And then that guy tried to start dancing with his wife, and uh, and they started like getting into it verbally, and uh, he pushed my brother and my brother went straight to headbutt <laughs> what <laughs> and then the guy hit him in the face and uh wow. and my brother fell down all while not spilling his drink <laughs> man <laughs> yeah but your he brother's had just, like, like the... a little shiner for <laughs> for like a couple weeks <laughs> wow your brother is the coolest dude <laughs> i can they i just because i picture I don't know what your brother looks like exactly. I think I may have seen him at your at your wedding, but like if he's right. anything like you and your wife and if his wife is like the three of you, I just feel like you would be like this this quartet of like Mormons trying to get people to convert at the club. Sure. Sure. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just unleashes this like this rhinoceros, you know, bighorn sheep move <laughs> yeah i think there's a watkins fury i think there's something deep inside us <laughs> that that burns that sometimes we get our <laughs> our switch flipped i don't know how many times this happens for you but i i remember seeing that flip i think i saw it flipping you one time at the comedy store i can't remember if you were hosting or if you were doing it was like it might have been early in your paid regular sets mm-hmm. so you're going up either like really early or really late and you, this person, you're so, you're such a kind person and you handle things so well, but like this person was interrupting the show twice and is like, all right, I've let you know twice. The third time I will not be nice. Like you said it with like a smile and everything. And then it happened and I saw the switch and I was like, oh, he can do this. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like a red lightsaber, just like, <laughs> it was it was i it's amazing when we see that happen in our peers like when we know them to be one way and then they switch on us not through any fault of their own just you know happenstance and it was i i don't know it kind of gave me it gave me more respect for you not that i didn't have a small i had a, a great amount of respect for your comedy but it to see the other dimension really push it over the edge from my point of view seeing you handle that it's like oh no he's he's not this crazy happy person all the time he has 
this depth that goes somewhere I'd never sure. seen. Sure. Yeah, there's a realness there that I think probably you, you probably could relate to a little bit more rather than if I'm just being physical and silly, 100% of the time on stage, you're like, okay, well, is this guy even a real person? And then you see me snap a little bit. You're like, oh, there's a real guy in there. He's just burying yeah. that guy. <laughs> One of my yeah, no, and I've gotten that too. I've gotten that too, where people people are like, "Hey, you don't you don't drink, right, Stuart?" And they're like, "No, I just yeah, maybe I don't drink around you, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I drink in a closet. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah. me. <laughs> I'm very closeted about my drinking, and I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you acknowledging that. Absolutely, of course. Uh, that's something that that uh, you and I share in common. Is uh, for years we both hosted at the comedy store, um, the potluck. Yeah. And uh, that's one of those thankless, thankless jobs where it's so fun to do, but it's also one of the most stressful gigs that you can even ask for. Yeah. Have you explained it on the show much? Uh, the Not really. Potluck? Not really. Uh, and there's a lot of fans uh, 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 or listeners, uh, rather, of the show that, um, that uh, they go to the comedy store or are fans of the comedy store. So uh, sure. I think that'd be interesting for them to kind of know what that is even like from our point of view, like being, yeah. you know, so if you want to take that. Sure. Um, and, and fill in what, it, you know, your experience, uh, if I'm missing anything, but I, what potluck is, is this, it's the, it's the new talent night at the comedy store where, you know, it's, it's an audition for, and it starts out with an open mic for the first hour and the next two to th three hours is people who are trying to become paid regulars, but are not quite there. They call it friends and family. And afterwards it's paid regulars working out basically until the end of the night. Sometimes, uh, and by the end of the night, I mean 2 a.m. It starts at 7 p.m. and goes till 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. And there's three hosts throughout the night. And oftentimes, you and I would be the first host. Uh, you started hosting like the second time uh, occasionally, filling in for Fraser Smith, who is you know a radio host here in L.A. and uh, you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest hosts in in comedy i agree 100 percent. la legend as far as that goes he hosts at all the major clubs and uh when my wife's uh mother was actually visiting town she grew up with fraser on the radio so when she got to meet him she was like blown away because he was literally like the howard stern of la like people yeah. love and they still love fraser but like yeah. like it was one of those things where it was like a movement with him like uh in the 80s i believe that's so crazy. You, your, uh, your wife's mom grew up on him because my mom grew up in Southern California and also grew up listening to Fraser Smith. And I told Fraser that, or I said it as I was introducing him to pass off the mic for him to host for the latter half of the show. And, uh, he did not respond to it like, well, cause I think he, like, I felt like I was aging him, uh, unintentionally. Oh, and you were just trying to say a nice thing. Like, Hey, this is, this is really cool. Right. This, yeah, I was just trying to show that, you know, his, his multi-generational influence and, sure. um, but it was, uh, I, I, we still have a great relationship and I have a lot of respect for him, but, um, for Dude, the, for that first part of the show. So put a pin in that for a second. I have to tell okay. you a quick Fraser story that oh, goes please, along please. with you seeing me snap on stage. I okay. Fraser snap a couple times and it's some of my favorite comedy store memories of all time because you know fraser how yeah. happy go lucky he is like he's got he literally tells 
if you watch a 15 minute set, it's over a hundred jokes. There's so many punchlines that are hitting yes. the time. He's training They're, the crowd. Exactly. He gets them in a, a rhythm and then it's momentum and then it just builds and builds and builds. And it's awesome to see. Uh, basically one night he was trying to get into his rhythm and a lady kept chiming in. And oh, then no. this guy started chiming in and, uh, he starts getting heckled every other joke now. Oh, and Fraser drops, literally he drops the snap for a second and like his momentum. And he goes, he goes, I'm from Detroit, bitch. I'll cut you. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the back of the room looking around. There was only one or two other comedians in there and I'm just dying laughing. I'm like, how's nobody, how's, how's like hardly anybody seeing this right now? This is like such a magical moment. I've never seen yeah. this before. I need someone else to witness this with exactly. me. I was literally looking around for any other eyes of comedians. I could be like, did, did you just see what just happened? It was yeah. beautiful. Oh man. I wish I could have seen that. I'm I've there. Are, I got, when we get back to doing stand up live, uh, you know, whenever that happens, that is going to be one of my few, like very clear goals outside of my own like career aspirations. Like I want to see, I don't want to see Fraser struggle. I want to see him snap for a moment and handle this business in person. <laughs> Dude, it shut it down immediately. And then he kept killing the rest of his set. It was amazing because it was such a left turn from his act. People are like, whoa. Yeah. And he's like, guys, come on. <laughs> like, just like right back into it. <laughs> so it oh, was, guys, we're having fun, right? Yeah, we're having a good time here, guys. Like, it was, yeah. it was beautiful. Uh, so yeah. back to the first part of Potluck, you, you were explaining yes. like the different levels and stuff like that. Yeah, so, there, so the, the part that we would often host is the open mic and the friends and family portion. So it ends up being anywhere from three to four hours of us hosting with people going up and doing three to five minute sets, which is bonkers as a show concept if that was the whole show. It's, that's easily two, probably three shows in one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not really the only part that has some real structure is the open mic because that list is not chosen for you. That is chosen sort of before the show starts. They, you know, a bunch of people sign up. Now it's almost 200 people sign up every Monday. It's gotten crazy. Um, when we did it. It was probably somewhere in the low 100s, is, I, I would say. And now it's up to like 200. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and everyone's just signing up for 16 three minute spots and that's your audition. And, you know, I, you, you know, you did it, I did it. And, you know, if you hope you get a good response or you catch the talent coordinator at a good time, uh, they're not, you know, dealing with other stuff and they can pay attention to your set. Maybe someone puts in a word for you. And so we would host that and we'd, you know, get it going. And when I, I don't, I don't remember when you started hosting or if you had started hosting before I was even at the store, but I started hosting in like around this time of year, 2012, so like eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the talent coordinator, Tommy was like, I think you should start hosting now. I think you'd be good for it. And so, and so like, okay. And, yeah. and that's exactly I, what Tommy sounds like, by the way. For the yeah, listener who I don't have any context, that's a spot on impression. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes, I have a witness. Um, the uh, so yeah, and I just I I just kind of run through it. I make a comment here and there, and then you and then you just the rest of it is just kind of chaos because it's like a bunch of people, our friends, our peers, you know, people who have been doing comedy longer than us, and who are all trying to vie 
for these other spots. And, you know, there were, at, at the time that I started hosting, there was really no guarantee who would go up. It was just like, create a show that is cohesive, that people will enjoy, that has ups, that peaks and valleys, and hope, it's, hope it works out. Which that's the main difference for, from how they do it now. Because basically when you and I were doing it, it was actually even harder on the host because we had the power to yeah. make those decisions and be political if we wanted. It used to be 100% political. Now uh, I've hosted that like a while ago since then, um, since like those days where you kind of had total control as the host and you're given the list of employees. And now it's like, you can't put up anybody else until you go through all the employees. When we, yeah. when we did it, there would be sometimes where we couldn't even fit all the employees because we're like, uh, there's some other comics that need to get up. And then that would cause controversy and stuff because yeah, that's like supposed to be one of their spots of the week. But also yeah. you're taking the, it, it's a, it's a whole thing that that's where it becomes political where it's like, yeah, you work at the store, but there's this other dude who came in who is like a 15 year vet that crushes. I want to put him up over you. Who's been working at the store for a year. So it's like all these political things that you kind of had to choose to either follow through and stand behind or kind of crumble and be like, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. I'll, I'll put you up. So it was like this weird dynamic. Yeah. I remember when I was first starting to work there, Pete, sometimes a host would, I would, I'd check in with a host and they'd be like, Hey man, I just don't really see where I can fit you into the show t yes. tonight. And I'd be like, and it's like, you know, there's a great way to figure that out is to put me up. See where, I, see where I fit in. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a crazy time. But it taught me how to host. It taught me how to uh, use, I don't want, I feel like this is a weird way to say it, but like use people to the best of their abilities the way I saw them. No, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And what Stuart, I think uh, what you're kind of explaining is there's different dynamics within a show. And sometimes you need a comic to do a certain thing at a certain time in the show. And when lineups are made, you'll even notice like, oh, okay, there's not a lot of times where two super high energy guys are following each other because it's one of those things where use them for their skills in that energy department and put one here and then put one in the other part of the show and maybe put like somebody who's a little bit more low energy maybe between them or not right next to them so it doesn't dip real big and it's more of a build. There's like this so many things that go into thought whenever you're making a lineup. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it was really, uh, it was really a, a, a true lesson in like, you know, who can, who can I put together and create like a cohesive run of comedy? Like I would not put you if, especially if I knew you were working on characters right after someone I knew who also did voices, even if they didn't necessarily look like you exactly. or, or sound like you, I, it would just be, it'd be too much of the same thing. Just like I wouldn't put, you know, two people of like a really similar height one after another, unless they were like unabashedly different from each other. Interesting. Even down to the yeah. physical appearance. That's an interesting thought as well. Well, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to say that like crowds are, I, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, you know, the crowds would be like too, like too naive to know the difference between the two comedians. I think crowds are smart in that if they feel like the show is going in a certain direction where they can kind of predict it because they can start to build a pattern, then they're like, well, 
I think we've had enough show. We kind of know where this is going. Maybe it's time for us to pack it up. I'm going to dip out right now. Yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. what the, where the rest of this night is going. I have an idea of, I, I, think, I don't think, I, I don't have that FOMO anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, are you guys enjoying the show? Give a like, leave a comment, leave a review on the audio platforms. It's all helpful, guys, with the YouTube's algorithms and all that stuff. Hope you're enjoying this bonus episode with Stuart Thompson. I put in the description link below a link to his stand-up comedy album. Check it out. Give it a listen. If you got Spotify, I believe it's free. Who knows? I could just be making that up. Email the show, jeremiahwonders at gmail.com, with any questions, concerns, maybe some guests that you want to hear from. I'll try to get them on the show. Maybe send me a kindness challenge letter. Haven't done that segment in a bit. I'm here for you guys. I love displaying listener art on my Instagram profile and also on YouTube in the different various forms. So if you are an artist listening to the show, send me maybe uh, something that has to do with this episode of Stuart and myself or just of uh, myself on Jeremiah Wonders or Kill Tony, however you know about me. I appreciate the support that you guys give this show. And Without further ado, let's get back into this episode with Stuart Thompson. I would say that the one thing that hosting Potluck did teach me is how to be a a host anywhere. Because there is no harder show to host than that show. That is the biggest lesson I got. Yeah. Uh, you learn a lot. And it's one of those things where, you know, you take that knowledge and then you go and create your own thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did with Luke Schwartz. And you guys have run uh, an amazing show, The Improv, for years uh, that yes. I've had the, the pleasure of performing on and uh it's a good in many respects yeah 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 we had we had had you on for stand-up and we uh we had you and pat uh play music together and you guys would um what i loved about you guys is you always added to the show uh and we luke and i were always about um we wanted our lineups to have like a variety of voices but you know we always wanted people who added to the show and kind of built on this the odd premise that we were creating, which was this very low budget, you know, late night talk show <laughs> that had, that had all the variety elements, but you know, all of the chaos of just like a regular standup show. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, for those who haven't, haven't seen it or heard it, you know, it's the late night show with Stuart and Luke and we would have uh, it's basically like uh, watching Conan, but if Andy Richter did not like Conan at all, uh, <laughs> your dynamic with Luke is very funny and it's like a very gent like you guys are obviously very close friends but it's one of those things where as an audience member it's very fun to watch that dynamic because Luke is constantly kind of ribbing you and you're like well uh, you know we have a show to to get to so um you know let's <laughs> yeah let's uh be professional about this yeah it's i i'm ba- i'm trying to run an honest show and Luke will interrupt me uh and I, and I love Luke very much. You know, he is, I, I call him my bitter half. And, uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> yes. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, some wild, wild stuff. <laughs> <laughs> bringing out the yeah, Carson, we, bringing out the Stephen Brody Stevens. <laughs> I yeah, love it. I, I love doing, um, I, I love doing both of those. Uh, my girlfriend loves it when I do Dirty Johnny Carson. Uh, I'd love to hear that. What does uh, what does Dirty Johnny Carson sound like? Uh, so I was so I just got back from the clinic. Uh, it was a free clinic, and uh, wow! Uh, it turns out uh, 
Turns out my pubes can dance. <laughs> Be your head for that. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, very. So you be sober, Ed, and I'll be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be dirty, Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, and I, and I love doing Brody. It's it's my way of allowing him to like continue to to. It's it's letting him live through me in a way. Sure, uh, man. I, I'll I'll I I around Maya and around just like uh even myself what whatever like I still hear his voice all the time and and I'll I'll even make Instagram videos as his voice just because it's something that I I used to love watching his periscopes and his just his Instagram stories so much that it was it's one of those things where I'm like ah oh, this is just a good way to keep that positivity going yes yeah, and I, I just I love and I loved every dimension of Brody there because I got to watch him all the time as as I know you did uh, at the store. You know, he would close out these shows and do you know an hour and a half after they, the people had already seen three four hours of show, and he'd be drumming and being indignant with the crowd and the management of the club, just like how dare you? You don't do that to me. <laughs> just like and it's like no one's doing anything to you. <laughs> We're just letting you know that it's one thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, I would love when you or Luke would uh, 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 occasionally like yell something from like from working the door, and he's like, "Oh, yes. great, the door guy's going after me now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and sometimes sometimes he would get like he would turn on us too, uh, and it, that would be fun to watch. And then sometimes he would give us shout outs, just like. Stuart, he was in the marching band at UC Berkeley. He gets it. By the way, what did you play uh, in the marching band? I played the trumpet. Trumpet. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Thanks, man. Do you still play? I haven't played in a long time. I tried to... I, the last time I played was for a stand-up show. I was playing a character um, that... Do you know the show um, it, Sabado Gigante con Don Francisco? It was like a Telemundo Univision no show. No. <laughs> so, so uh, my girlfriend is Latina, and she was she had a podcast with uh, two other Latina comedians, and she and they wanted to create a live show where they kind of had a theme uh, about this show that they loved. It was kind of like SNL, but also kind of the Today Show, but for a Latin American audience and Spanish speaking audience. And the, so the, the host of it was this guy named Don Francisco and they'd had people come on and like sing songs, like kind of like American Idol. And then some of them would get like rounds of applause if they sang well. And then some of them, if they sang poorly, they would get El Chacal, which was this guy who looked like, he looked kind of like uh, a ghost in a way. Like he had this really like flowing black robe and this like, oddly pointy uh you know head covering and he would play the trumpet and he'd like play these people off like the sandman at the apollo it was and so they had they asked me if i would play el chacal and so i i brought out my rickety ass trumpet and, and managed to play a little bit of um of stuff for them but i would um I, when i when i watch you get back into playing saxophone and integrating it into your comedy, especially with Kiltoni and everything. I, 
I had this, uh, I did get a bit of a yearning for my trumpet playing days because I played for about 12 years through college. And yeah. when I moved to LA, which was right after college, I kind of set it aside like, you know, this is not me right now. I need to focus on this aspect of my art. But there's no reason, there was no real reason for me to limit that. Sure. Yeah. It's one of those things where, um, uh, Jesse Johnson brought it up to me. Uh, she's now in the Kill Tony band and it was one of those things where she, uh, by, by basically just seeing that it, it was even possible to include an instrument that was not a typical guitar or piano, uh, you know, that she, that it gave her a little bit more of a nudge to like, Oh, I can do this. And now like, with her stand-up show, she does bits like with her trumpet. Like she'll oh, do one-liners wow. and some characters and, and stuff like that, and, uh, okay. and it's pretty cool to, to to see. So yeah, it's always uh, it's always great. I mean, m- my inspiration was, of course, Steve Martin. You know, the banjo is sure. not a typical comedy instrument whatsoever. <laughs> no, it is not. So I was like, okay, saxophone. Let's freaking go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I've I've thought about. I thought about bringing my trumpet onto stage with me, leaving it by the side, doing my act, never acknowledging the trumpet, and then just taking it with me off stage. But uh, but I've also thought about playing it, you know, just being like trying to become like the Satchmo of comedy. <laughs> Dude, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just so like just play a sweet tune <laughs> and just be like. Two Jews walk into a bar. <laughs> How Jew were they? <laughs> I've been waiting for the perfect opportunity to use that, and that was the one. That was the moment right there, Stuart. How was... Jew were they? <laughs> that feels like a show that was on like after your show of shows. <laughs> Dude, a hundred percent. How Jew were they? How Jew were they? <laughs> yeah, with like a like an audience the size of AGT, just like, <laughs> just like how Jew were they? <laughs> That's awesome. like they weren't that Jewish, and everyone's like, boo! boo. We, we wish like they were that. more so. We're into that. <laughs> we like that around here. Embrace your culture. Embrace your culture. Wow, this is at first, you know, I, I I was taken aback by the name of this show, but it's actually way more progressive than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> like you get Stop more you get more points the more that you're leaning into your culture on the show. It's like, yeah, yeah we're into that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wears a yarmulke. That's part of it, damn it. Yeah. Dude, so uh, I want to talk about this before we get into uh, the final segment of the show uh, called Sax Talk, a listener favorite. Um, but uh, you recorded a stand-up album. It's your debut album, and I want uh, you to tell the listeners about that and the viewers, and uh, where did you record it, and uh, yeah, just give some more info on it. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, the album is called Dandy Man. I recorded it in San Francisco at a independent venue called The Setup in the Tenderloin. Awesome venue. Richard yeah, Savarte, right? Yeah. Yeah, He's Richard and uh, Sarvate and Abhay Nadkarni run it. Yeah, and they, uh, great dudes. Uh, they were 
they were kind of give me a night and I, I brought, I brought Luke up with me. I brought my girlfriend, Anna up with me. They opened the show tremendously. Uh, we just about sold it out and it was, we recorded it miraculously in early February, right before all this COVID stuff was, uh, under, you know, under our skin and in our consciousness. It was like, I remember it not even being a thing when we recorded it. Of course. And then a month later, we were like, okay, where are we going to, where are we going to hole up for however long? It was, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, you got to be super grateful for the timing of that to actually get that in and make that happen before everything goes. Because it's one of those things where even let's say you were, you know, you're running that, that amount of time places. It's one of those things where let's say you didn't record and you had to record after are you going to have the same passion or even the same skill that you did when you were running it all the time like that? It takes a long time to get jokes flowing and the performance to be at a place where you're like, I'm ready to release this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like anything. If you want to get good at it, you got to do it all the time. And I was lucky to have a really nice run up over the previous six months leading up to it. So I got to do a lot of long sets all over the country. And I'm, I'm so grateful to anyone who uh, let me on their stage <laughs> for the, over that period of time. And before, of course, because it all adds up. But yeah, and I was able to you know put it out with this independent label called Radland Records. And uh, yeah, it was one of those you know, beautiful things that really came together in a way that I'm super proud of. And I, I really hope people get to, you know, hear it and and enjoy it, especially during this time when, you know, there might not be a lot of new entertainment available to people. And, and that's uh, where, where can people get that exactly, Stuart? Sure. They, uh, it's available everywhere you get albums. You know, the main places Perfect. that, that it, they're available are, you know, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, YouTube, but it's also on like Google Play and uh, TikTok and uh, pr- anywhere you can get an album, you can find it. Just look Great. up Stuart put, Thompson. I'll- I'll put a link in the, uh, the, the description of the, the YouTube video where it goes so people can easily click on it there. That's amazing. Thank you, man. It's, of course. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited for people to listen to it. You know, however they choose to listen, I'm okay with. It's, um, it brought me a lot of joy you know, putting together this material. And you know, a first album is such an introduction to the public. I know, man. And yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for, for doing it, man. Like I, I have you. yet to release my, uh, my debut standup album. I, uh, uh, have been doing some music stuff here and there, but, um, it's one of those things where it's, a, it's, uh, it's quite the accomplishment and, you know, it's been something that you've been honing these last 11 years. So I implore yeah. people to check it out, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's round it out with the final segment. It's called sax talk. Sax talk. Oh, sex <laughs> All right, oh, Stuart. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, if you would, I'd like for you to share a story of a sexual encounter. Uh, it can be as innocent or as graphic as you would like. And uh, I will basically follow you along with this sweet, sweet saxophone. So let me know when you're ready, and I will start following you along. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I, I think I got one for you. Uh, <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, folks. 
the scene is La Jolla, California. The part of San Diego that you're okay with hanging out in for longer than 25 minutes. There's not as many drunks there to uh, tell you which burrito filled with potatoes is the best. And I'm at the La Jolla Comedy Store, right there in the heart of La Jolla. The only comedy club right next to a Ferrari dealership. I'm performing and I'm, I'm really killing it. I, I, don't, I don't toot my own horn, but I am killing it. I'm having a great set. It's the first show of the weekend. Usually the first show, I'm dusting the rust off. I'm getting my, I'm getting my, my rhythm going, but this one, I needed no dusting. I was feeling it. And after I get off stage, I get some time to relax. And after the show, people come and say hi. Sometimes they want to say hi to a comedian. And one woman came up to me, and uh, she was, on a scale of 1 to 10, she was a lady. And before I even spoke to her, I could tell that she had... She wanted something from me. I was recently single and, you know, not, not ambitious enough to really seek out women on my own. So I was ready to, you know, indulge what this woman wanted. So she comes up to me and uh, she says, hey, I don't know if you're interested, but uh, my friend and I would like to have sex with you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I've never been asked that question before. Not in real life. I've never even heard that in a porno. I don't watch a lot of porn, but, you know, I th I'm sure you could get that from looking at me. And... And ever the uh, charming man I am, but also a businessman, I said, you know what, that sounds mighty interesting, Miss Lady, but I have another show I got to do. Maybe I could get your number and we could, uh, I could hit you up after I'm done with my second set tonight. She seemed amenable to the terms of our agreement and I got her number. And the next show, I was supposed to do 20 minutes in front of a hot Friday night crowd. At 16 minutes, the, one of the door guys in the back of the room told me, it's time to wrap it up. At 16 minutes and one second, I'm like, thank you, good night, everybody. <laughs> At 16 minutes and two seconds, I am off stage texting this girl. <laughs> <laughs> And I asked her, hey, you and your friend still up to having sex with me? And she said, hey, you know what? My friend's kind of tired, and she's going home. But as the old saying goes, even if one person drops out, there's still two of you.
let's just say we had a reason the next morning to eat one of those burritos full of potatoes. Yeah, we had sex. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> One of the uh, the songs that I was playing, I was a little squeaky. I need to wet the reed a little bit. Um, but uh. Uh, one of the songs that I was playing is uh, If you first you don't succeed Dust yourself off and try again You can <laughs> try again I don't know if uh, the listeners picked up on that But that was one of the songs that I was uh, playing um, Dude, that's awesome that, That's one of those things where uh, I thought that Stuart was going to get a threesome in this story I really did um, But still, sex after a show is amazing I can imagine. It, it, it's never happened to me, <laughs> but I just <laughs> nodded. I, I just, I just nodded. <laughs> I mean, you're you're in a you're in a you're in a wonderful relationship that you've been in for a long time, and I'm, uh, you know, it's, you know, every, everyone else is aspiring to that, but until then, you know, the rest of you know the rest of the community is gonna get it that way. <laughs> Let's just say I've turned down some people in my time, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> also, the La Jolla Comedy Store. This lady gave me her business card once, and uh, she, she said she wanted to book me for a corporate gig. Stuart, I hit her up for the corporate gig. The text starts going astray, and I'm like, what about that gig? There was no gig. Yeah. More like a corporeal gig, if you know what I mean. Whoa, finger blast. <laughs> I don't know why I said <laughs> We're touching bodies, buddy. Hello. <laughs> boing, 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 boing. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, I'm, it's not a, I can't say it's like a, an oft occurrence or has been because I've been in a relationship for a long time as well. But uh, I will say that the the few times it has happened, it is... Like I, I've been trying to get this validation from within, but when it comes from without, woo, it feels nice. <laughs> oh, keep riding that wave. That's good. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you play. You play great. That, I feel like it really added to that story. I felt like that. I really sold it. It adds some sexual energy. It really does, yes. man. It gives <laughs> it that a little extra oomph. It's basically like you know, there wasn't that extra woman in the room with you that night. But old Jeremiah was in the corner playing that sax, <laughs> guiding your hips and pushing your buttocks farther into her. That's what the sax yeah. does. You're playing like this is not the corporate gig I signed up for. Yeah, this Jesus. is ugh, this is uh, this is smellier. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot more smells in here. Ooh. Yeah, it's so humid. I don't need to wet the reed. Dude, uh, it's been awesome catching up with you, brother. Um, like I said, Same check here, out uh, Stuart's new album on all platforms. The link will be in the description. And uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like to uh, leave the viewers and listeners with before we sign off? Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me, man. And uh, if you enjoy the album, uh, shoot, shoot me a note. Let me know if, uh, what you think. And uh, if they want to listen to the podcast, because uh, we're doing it just as a podcast right now, it's at the L8 Night Show 
on Twitter and Instagram for updates. Awesome. And what's, what's your Instagram and Twitter so people can follow you there as well? It's at Stuart B. Thompson and Stuart with a U. Awesome. Check out Stuart's stuff. Reach out to him on social media. I always love when the listeners and viewers reach out to the guests on this podcast and give them some positivity and send them their way. Uh, love you, brother. And I uh, hope to see you uh, soon when all this craziness calms down. Yeah, same here, man. Always good to see you. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Absolutely.